Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at weareradiant.com. All right, take out those notes. We are in part three of a series we are calling Advent. And what we are doing is we are looking at the arrival, the focus of the coming of Jesus. That word Advent, you can write it down in your notes, actually means arrival. And this was started around the first the couple, first couple hundred years of the church history where they put together a season. It actually started the Christian calendar, a season to really prepare us for, uh, what, for Christmas and to celebrate Jesus' birth, but also to prepare us for the second coming that we believe is happening very soon. And we are in an Advent, but we also are celebrating Advent and as we prepare. And, and, and this series is so important because we're showing that when Jesus steps on the, th- on the scene, things change. And it changed 2,000 years ago, and it'll change in your life when you allow Jesus on the scenes of whatever you're going through today. So we started it a couple weeks ago talking about when Jesus shows up, it's an arrival of hope. And there's hope that comes on the scene when Jesus shows up. Last week was kind of an intense message, uh, really drawing us back to the gospel and showing us the arrival of the way, that Jesus presents a way that we are called to live. We're not, we're not called to be fans, we're called to be followers. And if you missed that message, check it out online. But today I want to talk to you about the arrival of peace. The arrival of peace. If there's a word that describes Christmas when it comes to decoration-wise, like you had to get pick up some kind of thing at Hobby Lobby or some kind of ornament with a word on it. It's normally joy or peace. It's one of those words that kind of describes Christmas. But how many know it's really, if you really evaluate Christmas, peace is probably one of the last things you're experiencing at this moment. You got to think about it. This whole holiday is at least supposed to start after our annual day of thankfulness. And the way it starts on our annual day of thankfulness is we end the day saying thank you to everybody and then we go and we 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 bombard the malls and we buy all the cheap toasters and TVs they have available it's chaotic and your whole season kind of kicks off that way. And then it's Christmas party after Christmas party. It's event after event. It's what am I buying them? Is it going to be a good gift? Is it not? It's dealing with family dynamics. It's who's showing up, who's not showing up. Are we inviting that crazy uncle yet again? Are you sure we want him at the table? It's all chaos in these moments. And many times we just lack, we lack peace. My question for you today is how is your peace this Christmas? And many of you, it's not just the chaos of the season. Maybe it's the chaos of this last year. Maybe it's a year that you lost a loved one or or the job went under or the business struggled and you're walking into Christmas and you're looking at your bank account or you're looking at who's not at the table and you're realizing there's just not a peace there in your life. I want to talk to you today how you can experience peace this Christmas, a peace that passes all understanding, a peace that no matter what's going on on Wall Street or what's going on in the White House or what's even going on in your house, you can have peace this Christmas. I'm gonna show it to you in a very famous passage that dates back 700 years before Jesus came. The prophet Isaiah spoke these words and gave him us in an advent, in an, at a time where we're waiting for the arrival. In that moment, he gave us this promise of what Jesus would be like. And I want to show it to you. It's our passage of the day, and I'm going to break it down uh, word by word. I think it's going to be something that will really help you today. Isaiah chapter 9, and it says it like this in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given And the government 
will be on his shoulders. I, I don't know what you feel like's going on in the world today, but I just want you to know God is still in control and God is still good and God's got it all worked out. Come on, somebody. The government's on his shoulders and he will be called. And he gives us this breakdown. Wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father. And then there's these words, prince of peace. And look at verse seven. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. There, there'll be no end to it. Like, like you haven't reached a limit. You haven't reached too much. Like there's still peace available for your life. Those words, prince of peace, I want to break them down. They're two different Hebrew words. The Old Testament is written in Hebrew and they're broken down. The first one is this word, sar. And what it means is it means Lord or chief or general. It's this where we, where we get the word prince or, or even king could be associated with it. Here's what it means. It means he's in charge. It means he's in control of it. He, it's his dominion. It's his place. And then it says this word, the second word for peace is this word shalom. Now you've probably heard the word shalom. It, it's a greeting all around the world. Shalom. What does it mean? It doesn't just mean peace. It means rest or contentment. It could be translated this way. Chill out. Chill out. So try it in an argument with your spouse. When they're just like really getting heated, just go, shalom. That'll work out well for you, I promise you. Look at those two words together. He's the Sar Shalom, the Sar Shalom, the Lord of rest, the Lord, the King of contentment. He's your Prince of peace. And what he's saying is he's saying, there's a kingdom, there's a dominion that when God comes into it, peace is established in the midst of it. Peace is in the midst of it. Where he's at, peace is there. That's why we believe that peace is not based on what is going on around you. We know that peace is a person and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. So I, I, I don't know what chaos you have in your life today, but when you invite, when you open up, when you submit yourself to the Sar Shalom, the, the king of contentment, the prince of peace, the, the Lord of rest, when you come under his rule, this is what happens. Peace comes in our midst because everywhere Jesus goes, peace follows. Hallelujah. Everywhere, even into your workplace, into your family, into that Christmas dinner, when you're checking out your bank account, you're going, it just seems so chaotic. No, if Jesus is involved, there's peace in the midst of it. And when he says, he says, he says, listen, the, 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 run, ran, the, the, his government, the way he's running it, the way it'll, it'll play out in the world today, it'll be, have the peace will have no end in your life. No end. Like we can understand that when Jesus is involved, peace is there. Now here's why it matters. Because where there's not peace, I realize that's probably a place where I have not submitted to the Lordship of Jesus. Wow. Let me say it this way. My level of submission determines my level of peace. So if where Jesus is, peace follows. Where there's no peace, it's probably because Jesus is not in the midst of it. And why is it not in the midst of it? We have not submitted that area, that portion of our life to Jesus. We, and I just want you to get this, as Christians, God has never promised us a pain-free or a difficulty-free life. Right. But he has told us in the midst of it, when I'm with you, 
you can have peace. You got you to think about this. How crazy is it that we're Christians? How crazy is it that we go, you know what? No matter what's going on in the world, it's all right. God's good. Amen. It's going to be good. Well, you, have you seen what's going on? Have you, have you seen what's going on in the Middle East? I know, I know. But I have the Sar Shalom in my life. Amen. The Prince of Peace. Are you, are you okay? I, I heard about your diagnosis. Are you going to be okay? You know what? The diagnosis is bad, but I have the Lord of peace in my life. I have the Prince of peace. You know what? And where God is at, there's peace in the midst of it. So it might be chaos everywhere and the report might be bad, but if God's with me, peace follows. And that's good news. Come on church. You can give them some praise today, church. That's why Isaiah goes on to say, you will be kept in perfect peace whose minds are steadfast. You know why? Because they trust in you. They trust in him. So we have our trust in him. And when our trust is in him, in every area of our life, peace follows in that area of our life. So how do we experience it? How do we experience that peace in our life? Well, he breaks it down. And I love this scripture because I never quite saw the connection between the titles he gives us of Jesus and the outcome that he's our Prince of Peace. And I want to give it to you today. Look what it says. He says he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And then there it is, our Prince of Peace. So let's break those three down in a row. First of all, he is our Wonderful Counselor. As our Wonderful Counselor, we understand that Jesus guides my life. He guides my life. Wonderful. He's a wonderful counselor. He's good. He's amazing. He's not like an average one. He's an incredible, what? Counselor. What is this word counselor? It means to advise, to consult, to guide your life. Now in our world today, this has kind of been messed up because it could be considered coach, you know, and everybody's a coach today. You got your life coach, your financial coach, your business coach, you got your health coach. Everybody's got a coach today. I remember one guy a few years ago was like, hey, I, I could be your coach if, if you want me to. And I was like, well, tell me about your life. He was like 25, um, couldn't help, hold down a relationship. He, you know, living with a bunch of dudes in an apartment and like his finances are wrecked. I was like, why would I want you to coach my life? <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. You want to have a good coach. So this last year, I got an opportunity to go play golf at one of the world famous like golf courses. And now let me just tell you about your pastor. I'm not a golfer. So I've played for years and years and years. I played just enough to hate the sport. I hate it. I'm just so terrible. And I don't like to do things I'm really not going to be great at. So I'll play like once or twice a year. I get, you know, roped into it. So I finally get this big opportunity this last year to go play golf. So I said, I'm going to do something I've never done before. I'm going to hire a coach. I'm gonna get trained, like I'm gonna do this. And so I went out to this guy and, and he's like, well, tell me what you know. I said, I don't wanna tell you what I know because what I know is not working. You tell me what you know and I'll do whatever you tell me. I had my notes app open every single time. He go, okay, you hold the club like this. And I'm like, okay, I hold it like that. And then I go hold it. I was like, is this right? Is this right? Is this correct? No, no, you change it a little bit. Okay, I'll do it. So I made all these notes. We had, I think, five different lessons together. And then I went to go play. And it was awesome. When I got out to go play, I, I, was, I was struggling some. And then I'd go, okay, wait, wait, wait. What did he tell me to do? Go back to that notes app. Okay. It, there was never a moment where I'd go, let me go back to the craziness I've done for the last 40 years. Because I'm sure my way's better. I listen to the coach. You have a wonderful counselor 
This world is too chaotic and your purpose is too great for you to try to figure it out alone. You don't have to. He has not left us and abandoned us to do it our own way. He has given us a wonderful counselor to say, hey, I can lead you and I can guide you. Hey, don't go that way. Don't date that guy. Hey, don't take that job. Go this way and lead and guide you. The Bible says it this way. Jesus looked at his disciples and said, my sheep, listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. He is a wonderful counselor, but it's only good counsel if you listen to him. (laughs) Because I'm telling you, I've done this for years. This is why I'm not in counseling. Because I get too frustrated with people. Well, two reasons. I'm ADD, so I'm just not listening. And then I just get too frustrated. So I will sit there and listen to them and, and they're, they're pouring out their, I'll tell them, I'm smart. This is what you do. And then they leave. And then I'll come back a week later and I'm like, well, did you do what? No, no, we didn't do it. Well, then why are you here? It gets so frustrating and couples are, are struggling. I'm like, hey, would you go to counseling? Yeah, well, we, it didn't work for us. Well, did you work? Did you do what they told you to do? Well, no, we didn't like their advice. Well, the way you've been doing it, it's not been working. So don't be critical of somebody else's way. Just try it a different way. There's no point of coming to the wonderful counselor if you're not going to listen to the counsel of the counselor. He's got something to say for your life, but you got to do it his way. That's why Jesus says, everyone who hears these words of mine and post about them on social media or... Puts, puts them in a journal or um, tells everybody they know the truth. No, that's not what he says. He says you got to hear it and put it into practice. practice. That's like a wise man. You see, wisdom is not what you know. Wisdom is what you do. Because a lot of people know the right thing. They just don't do the right thing. And they're called foolish based on the next verse where he says, anyone who hears these words and doesn't put them into practice is a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. So I want to be wise in my life. And with the way you walk in wisdom is you go, okay, I'm going to do life God's way. And I'm going to listen to the wonderful counselor and where he tells me to go, I'm going to go his way. And I don't know about you, but I've had those moments in my life of critical times of decisions having to be made. And I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful, whether it's through the truth of God's word or where there's those moments where the Holy Spirit just prompts my heart where he's led my life into all truth, led my life. Has any, let's just do a show of hands, how many, just so we can feel faith in the room. How many people would say, there's been a time in my life the wonderful counselor has led me into some area of life? Come on, isn't that good news? Now, now, now can we have a moment? How many could say, I knew what the wonderful counselor wanted me to do, and I didn't do it? And it was a terrible decision. Right, 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 right. You would have never dated her. If you would have known and followed what the wonderful counselor said, you would, have, you would have never done that. Why? What was the outcome? The outcome of not listening to the wonderful counselor is a lack of peace. It's a lack of peace. Don't fool yourself, Radiant Church. So you date that ungodly person, but you expected peace, you're fooling yourself. You do money your own way, you're not honoring God with your tithe, and you expect peace in your finances, you're fooling yourself. You responded to a text message in anger, but you expected peace in the relationship. You're fooling yourself. You didn't pray before making that major decision. You had the pray first bracelet on. You saw it, you just didn't apply it. 
and you expected peace, you're fooling yourself. You didn't take a day off, you didn't even take a Sabbath and God told you to. And you wonder, I just don't have any peace. Because we're fooling ourselves, because we're doing, we're doing it our way instead of the counselor's way. A lack of peace is usually an indicator that I'm living outside of God's plan. So we come to the wonderful counselor and we say, hey, what do you want me to do? I'm submitted to the Prince of Peace. You lead me and you guide me and watch how he'll direct your life. By the way, a vast majority of our issues when it comes to relationships and the lack of peace horizontally is because we do not have peace vertically. You fix it this way, watch how it'll be fixed this way. So we gotta, get, we gotta go to him first. We gotta get this right. Let's go through our passage again. All right, so he'll be called a wonderful counselor. He's wonderful, he's a great counselor, but he's also a mighty God, everlasting father. Let's go to the second one. As a mighty God, th this word could be translated warrior God. He's a warrior God. As a warrior, as a mighty God, Jesus defeats the enemy. He defeats the enemy. This is a battle term. This is not fake wrestling like you watch on TV term. This is like military term. This is who Jesus is. And the problem with it is, is we have eight pounds, six ounce baby Jesus version in our life. And you think that's the Jesus that you're following. And you don't understand, he is a warrior God. He is a God that avenges us, that, that fights our enemy. Look what it says in Psalm 24. Who is the king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. That's a different look than the hippie version with the long beard, just sitting there just like, we love everyone. Just cool, man. Like, this weak, passive Jesus. That's not my Jesus. Amen. He's a warrior. He's a mighty God. Exodus 15 says, the Lord is a warrior. The Lord is his name. It's actually in his name. He's a warrior. He fights. Now, who does he fight? He doesn't fight your haters. So don't make that the thing. Just like, man, he's coming after him. Well, they, they broke up with me. God will get them. No, no, no. That's not what it's about. No, no, no. Remember, our, we're in a very spiritual war. Ephesians says it this way, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not the in-law, it's not the uncle, it's not the coworker, it's not your boss, it's not your ex. Someone needs to hear that today. But it's against rulers and against the authorities and the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces and evil in the heavenly realms. There's a very real enemy that's after your life. And I want you to look at every campus, I want you to understand this. You're, he's attacking your purpose, he's attacking your purity, He's attacking your family. And the reason is, is because he knows the potential that's ahead of you. And if you would understand how real your enemy is, then, then the result could be <laughs> a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, a lot of worry, because he's a real enemy that's really trying to take you out. Yeah. But there's good news. Yeah. The good news is, not, despite the fact that we have a real strong enemy, it's that we have a mighty God who came 2,000 years ago for us. Paul says it this way, but thanks be to God, he gives us 
the victory through, not through your good vibes, not through your positive energy, not through your self-encouragement. No, you know how you find victory? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm telling you, that's good news for us. He brings victory in our life. Peace is a byproduct of knowing Jesus always wins. He always wins. So you might be up against a major battle in your life right now. Jesus brings victory in your life. This was a huge focus of the church um, and, and the first few centuries. They called it Christus Victor, which means Christ our victory. It's an element of the atoning work of Christ that emphasizes the triumph of Christ over the evil powers in the world. One uh, a great theologian wrote it this way. His name is Michael Bird in the book Evangelical Theology. Here's how he wrote it out. He said, Satan's force is spent and his worst was no match for the best of the son of God. The fatal wound of Jesus deals a fatal blow to death. The powers of this present darkness shiver as the looming tsunami of the kingdom of God draws even nearer. The despots of the world live in denial as much as they live on borrowed time. Come on, somebody. This is Paul's atonement theology. This is the victory of God. He brings victory. Can we give him some praise today, church? He wins it for us spiritually. And anytime you feel like you're overcome and there's no way out and there's no way to find victory, you remember he's a God that won it 2,000 years ago and he's winning it even now. He fought for you then and he's fighting for you now. You have no clue the victory he's providing in your life right now. But here's our issue. Our issue is when I forget how great God is, I become overwhelmed by how great my problems seem. So that's when anxiety comes in. That's when stress. That's, That's when worry comes in. Why? Because I forgot how mighty my God is. So good. And I'm thinking of these problems, and I'm looking at them, and I'm going, oh, man. But God's bigger. It's crazy. We can walk around in the chaos of this world, and we can look at all of it, and as Christians, we walk around with a different posture going, you know what? It's okay. God's fighting for us. Amen. He's fighting for us. Paul, Paul said it this way. I think this is an amazing passage. It's a lot of scripture today, but I'm... Good for you, okay, listen. He says it this way. He says, then the end will come, and that's gonna happen one day, when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father, and he has destroyed all dominion. This is talking about Jesus. Jesus has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies, all, say all. All. That's every enemy that's coming against your life. All those enemies will be under his feet. When you think you're defeated, remember, you're not the enemy. You have Jesus on your side. He is a mighty God. He is Christus Victor. He is Christ our victory, and he brings victory in our life. That brings us some peace. Come on, give them praise today, church. Let's look at our verse one more time. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God. Look at this third one, Everlasting Father. Here's your third one, ready? How do we have peace? Because as an everlasting father, he cares for me. He cares for me. Oh, he cares for me. I want you to think this. I didn't get this until I became a dad. And when I became a dad, I have five kids and a dog, so there's like six of them I take care of. (laughs) And I'm saying, I realize so much 
of how much I love to take care of my family. Love to. I love to take care of my kids. And my kids are so wild. Now, your kids might be different. My kids are 3 to 11. And those kids are so interesting because never once do they come to me with some kind of like real burden or concern about what's going on in the world. Like, like none, we haven't ever been woken up in the middle of the night and they're like, hey, mom and dad, just thinking about our light bill. <laughs> Power cost, I can't imagine. And we left those lights on the other day. Sorry. How can we contribute? My kids don't do that. Maybe yours do. My, my kids have never, like, hey, we have a really good meal. And they go, oh, man, we just depleted the pantry. Oh, how are we going to get more? They, they just know. They, they just know that they've got a father that takes care of them. They have a father, oh, dad, I know you just ran me to, to, my, to, my, to my lesson, and, and I know it's a lot, and gas prices these days are just crazy. How can we contribute? No, no, they're not worried about that, because, because they have a father that cares for them. It's interesting. My kids are come and talk to me, and they talk to me about the craziest things, most random things. My son's really big in Avengers right now, and everything. He knows so much about Avengers like all their characters, all their names, all their stuff, everything they do. And I'm like, do you know the Bible this well? Like, I'm really kind of concerned. <laughs> but, but as he's talking to me, there's never a time I shut him down and be like, hey, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know the church that I am pastoring? Do you know the concerns I have? Your stuff doesn't matter. Wow, that's so good. No, 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 no. As a father, I love to hear what my son's Amen. thinking about I love to hear. Listen, God is never annoyed or overwhelmed by your issues. Ever. Ever. The Bible says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Like when we come to him with our concerns and our worries and our stress, you're not bothering him. You're, well, he's got a lot of other things going on in the world. No, 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 no. You really matter. That's why Jesus said it to this way. He says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life. Like, don't stress about it. Don't have anxiety. Somebody needs to hear this word today. What you're going to eat or drink or your body or about what you're aware is life not more than food and your body more than clothes. And then he gives this example. He says, so look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or gather into barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And by the way, let me answer the question for the, the question right there. Yes, you are. Yes. yes, you are. I know there's organizations that would tell you you're not. You are. <laughs> you are. If it's a problem for you, it's a priority for God. Because you're his child. You are not an accident or an outsider. You're not some second-rate person. You are a child of God. And as a child of God, he cares for his children. Well, Aaron, if he cares for me, why do I still experience this unrest, this stress, this focus? I would suggest to you this way, that it is the area of your life where you experience the most stress is usually the area of your life where you are the least submitted to the Lord of peace. So where you are experiencing a lack of peace is because you have not submitted yourself in that area of your life to the Prince of Peace. And when you submit that area, whether it's your finances, your marriage, your singleness, 
your, your health problems, whatever it is in your life, when you submit it to the Lord of peace, what happens is it's not so much your situation changes, but peace comes into your life. Because where Jesus goes, peace always follows. Amen. I think it'd be appropriate to end this message to just ask you to submit and surrender again to the Lord of peace, the Prince of peace. Just right there in your seat, I just want you to think about those areas that you stress about the most, that you're frustrated about the most, and I want you to surrender them. I want you to submit them to the Lord today. I want you to submit the outcome. I want you to submit the future. I want you to submit your frustrations. And as we submit it to God, watch how the peace of God will step into your life. I've asked the team to lead us in this old song, but I think it'll help you just right there as she sings it out. I want you to submit yourself to God. Let's sing it out together, right? Right now, to the Prince of Peace, surrender right there in your seat. I surrender all, all to thee. And all to thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Come on, even the hurt, the frustration, the past, do it one more time. Sub submit it to the Lord. seat. Lord, those areas of our life where we're experiencing anxiety and stress and worry, we submit them to you. We submit the pain. We submit the future. We submit the outcome to the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace, the Lord of Rest, the God of Contentment. God, would you invade our life? We give control over to you of every area of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Radiant Church Podcast. For service times or giving options, visit us at weareradiant.com.